Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Simply Put. This is your host, Britt, and I am so glad you are here. If it is your first time joining us, you do not have to go back to episode number one to pick up today. Uh, I am confident that this message will hit exactly uh, where it needs to. And so on that topic, we're going to be looking at the story in Exodus 32 today that just overviews uh, this debacle between Moses and Aaron. And we're going to be talking about a larger topic of, I'm just tired of waiting. And I think this is something that hits home for so many of us because there are things in our lives that we're just really tired of waiting on God, if we're honest. And so I'm excited. I'm expectant that this message is going to be just life-giving and fruitful, but also eye-opening. And so thanks again for joining us. Uh, Yeah, let's do this. Welcome to Simply Put, a podcast that has been brought to life with you in mind. Whether you consider yourself an all-in Christian or have never been introduced to the freedom found in God, this podcast is for you. While the Bible might seem complicated, God's message is rather simple. Every week, you can expect Brit to take God's Word and break it down into something we can all better understand. Now here's your host, Brit. All right, here we go. So we're going to pick up in Exodus 32, but I just want to do a 30,000 foot view and then we will zoom in on the scripture. Um, Right before this happens, the Israelites have just made their way through the Red Sea. And so if you're new to the Bible, uh, let's just put this in perspective. God tells Moses, he's like, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt into the promised land. And so after a series of plagues and all this stuff with Pharaoh, they finally take off and they're loaded up with a bunch of gold and all these gifts from Egypt that they're literally taking with them as they leave um, this place of slavery. And so the Red Sea is this place they get to that Ultimately, Moses has to decide, am I going to trust that God will part these waters and we're going to move forward or are we going to stand here and get taken out? And they go for it. I mean, Moses puts a stick in the water, the waters part, the Israelites charge through on dry land and they get to the other side. Moses casts his cane back over the water. The waters crush over everybody. And here we are. And now they're still going. They're still in the wilderness. We would think that maybe after the parting of the Red Sea, they were out of the wilderness and into this promised land, but they're not. And so God has been leading them with a cloud during During the day and a pillar of fire at night. And if the cloud moves, they move. And if the pillar moves, they move. And here we are. Now we've got ourselves in Exodus 32. So again, that's 30,000 foot view. I just brushed over that. If you want to learn more, check it out. Um, But here we are in Exodus 32. And God calls Moses to hike Mount Sinai so he can get specific instructions for how these people are to live their lives. And Moses and God are like BFFs. I mean, they talk, they hang out, they see each other. It's kind of weird, but that's really how it's described to us in the Bible. And so we pick up in Exodus 32 with 
Moses making the hike up Mount Sinai. And again, we don't know how long he was hiking for, but obviously it had to be a pretty long time. And here's where we'll start today. So Exodus 32 verse one, it says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. And I would be lying to you if the first time I read this, I was like, are you serious? You just went through all of that and now you're looking for just a man-made God? This is your strategy? Um, That was my first reaction, no lie. But I've spent a lot of time in these verses throughout the last couple of weeks and I think I want to start with a question today is, have you ever trusted God um, and took a step of faith? And then after you took that step of faith, wondered why he asked you to take that step of faith? Like, have you ever made your way into something and then been like, you know what, actually, I think I heard you wrong. And I'm not so sure that you actually know what you're doing. So let me just come up with a quick plan. Have you ever done that? I have. I am so, so guilty because that's exactly what these people are doing. They have been led up until this point. They have seen the most amazing things. I mean, things I can't even wrap my brain around. They have seen firsthand, but now they're halted at a place and they've got to wait for Moses. So my question for us is, have we ever trusted God, took a step of faith and then doubted where he went? Because here's something not so sexy. When people talk about the Israelites and them getting into the promised land, you know, there's this great excitement that comes in when it's like the cloud goes, we go. And we see this Exodus 13, 21. It says, God led them with a cloud and with a pillar of fire at night. And this is exciting, right? Like the fact that God is leading them into new territory and they're going, but then there's like the the non-sexy side of that. And that means when the cloud didn't move, They had to stay put. And I mean, this had to have been so hard for them because they're traveling through the wilderness. They're excited when the cloud moves. They're hopeful about what's ahead. They're on this journey, but then the cloud doesn't move. And I can imagine in that time, they're like, God, uh, have you forgotten about us? Like, is this it? Is this all, is this what we left for? Like, is this all you have? I thought you were supposed to be good. And so the cloud isn't moving and Moses isn't coming back. And the first time I read this, I was like, what's wrong with you guys? But as I sat with it, I just felt God ask me, have you ever just made a plan because you thought I wasn't going to come through? And ultimately in this verse, that's exactly what they're doing. Moses goes up the mountain and they can't see him and they don't know where he's at and the cloud's not moving and they have to stay put. And they're kind of like, God, is this it? Because if this is it, I'm going to keep going because there's got to be more. This can't be all there is to this life. And in essence, they just lose sight of who's leading them and they make a plan. And deep down, I know that that's not much different from you or me. I mean, we do this and I don't know why we do this, but this is the human tendency. And right after this, we see a second human tendency, verse two. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. 
When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And so Aaron is, just to give you some reference, Aaron is like Moses's, like, Robin. So you got like Batman and Robin kind of thing. He is Moses's side guy. He's the one that's supposed to be for this mission, 100% in, no doubt about it. God is going to lead us. And here we see he's kind of giving into this pressure where they're like, we don't see him. We don't know what's up. And so Aaron, you got to do something. And so he does. He's like, yo, give me all the gold and I will make us something. And I just want to stop right here. And this isn't necessarily part of the text, but I think it's a very, very important plug that we look at really quickly is it's very important uh, to pay attention to the counsel that you are receiving. And we see this all throughout the book of Proverbs. Like this isn't a new idea. This isn't something that someone just thought of one day, um, Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs twelve fifteen, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Um, there's something so powerful about listening to counsel, but there's something so wise about um, making sure that you're always checking that counsel with the character of God. Because people will, and we'll see this in the story, but people will tell you things um, if you react to them in a good way. And so if you like, um, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out like the best way to explain this, but let's say somebody is super encouraging to you all the time. But the truth of the matter is, is you need somebody to be a little bit harder on you. You need that reassurance of like, no, that's not what we do. Um, and that's not appropriate or whatever that is. You know, it's really important that you get a balance of that counsel and you don't just, uh, go to people that always feed your ego. And I know that doesn't make for fun feedback, but it's, the most important kind because underneath all the layers of everybody that you might receive counsel from is this deeper longing to um, make people happy. And so I can't stress this enough that it's so important to listen to what you're listening to and to constantly check your heart and make sure it is aligned with God and um, you're not serving, you know, I know it's not the calf business, but like these man-made gods of um, such small value. So just a little side note there. Let's keep going. Um so they come to Aaron and they're like, we need a plan. And Aaron's like, let's melt down all this gold and I'm going to make something. And so here's what's so interesting about these verses is earlier in the book of Exodus, um, the things they left with from Egypt, this gold, this jewelry was actually a gift from God. So God made a promise to Moses that you will not leave empty handed. And so they don't, they leave with these beautiful um, gems from Egypt. They leave the land of Egypt with these beautiful gems. And it's the very thing that then they dismantle because they've lost sight of provision. And I need to say this again, because um, this is so important is that so often we dismantle God's promise because uh, we just lose sight of his provision. Like we lose sight of the truth that he's actually going to come through. And we give ourselves, our time, our talents away simply because we've lost sight of his provision. 
And I think this looks different in everybody's life, but I'll just give you an example that I know many of us can relate to on some level, but you look at this topic of relationships and there's a deep sense of understanding that God has specifically um, like a good thing promised you. Like his hope is for an equally yoked marriage. He wants good relationships. He wants healthy relationships. He wants relationships built on him. He wants godly relationships. He wants pure, like he wants all of these things for our relationships that are good and holy and just so awesome. But then we start to get lonely And so you send that text that you're like, ah, it doesn't matter. And then over and over again, you start to dismantle your heart simply because you're lonely. And again, this isn't um, because you're a bad person. This isn't because you don't believe in God. It's simply because you've stopped believing God. Like you don't think he's actually going to do what he promised he will do. And can I submit for consideration that that is exactly what these Israelites are feeling? I mean, they're in the middle of this wilderness season. They've watched God come through, but they're kind of stuck. And here they are just kind of wondering, God, are you actually going to do what you say you're going to do? Because I've got a plan. And friend, can I just say, I think this is where we all sit at some point or another in our lives. And the question that I have for you, the question I have for me is, are we willing to put stake in the promise of God? Are we willing to believe that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's working, that he's moving, that he's doing all of these things on our behalf? Or do we want to dismantle his promises and turn them into something that is forced and man-made? So let's keep going. Let's pick up in Exodus 32 verses five and six. It says, Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. What is pagan revelry, you ask? Good question. It just means they were celebrating someone who isn't God. And so right here, I want to switch the perspective and I want us to kind of take a step into Aaron's shoes for a second, because here's ultimately what's happening is Aaron is using their doubt to fuel dependency on him. And I don't know if this gives us maybe some insight into the jealousy, if he had any, against Moses, because Moses has led these people um, for so long, so well into such miraculous things. And here we have Aaron that gives into the excitement of leading and out of that excitement does rather foolish things in order to win these people over. And so again, this just isn't too far off from at the core of what we often do and who we often are. I mean, how many of us wouldn't keep going if people were excited about what we were doing? And here's what I kind of felt like uh, God just whispered to me as I was reading this is when people respond well, we push the boundaries. And so if, if Aaron would have melted this and then the people would have been like, I mean, it's I, you know, it's not really worth doing anything about, but it's okay. I guarantee we wouldn't see this story play out like we do. But instead, the people get really excited and they get hopeful over this false God. And so Aaron plays into this. And how many areas in our lives have we played into this? How many times have we been 
the Aaron in this story where we feed people the wrong thing or we get people excited about the wrong thing simply because we love the dependency. We love people being dependent on something we're producing. And this is dangerous territory. I'm just telling you it's territory and it's worthy to be talked about because it's so um, vulnerable. And if we don't talk about it, it becomes even more vulnerable. So it's important to know where in your life are you and Aaron in? Where have you kind of signaled all dependence into so that way everything runs at your command for good or for bad? And then I want to challenge you, what would it look like to give that to God? What would it look like to decide that, you know what, this isn't actually my kingdom after all? And so if we pick up in the next verse, um, Exodus 32, really 7 through 20, a lot is happening, but I just want to do a 10,000 foot view of this. Um, Moses is hiking up Mount Sinai when God calls to Moses. And it literally says, the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you've brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They've melted down gold and made a calf and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Leave me alone so I can destroy them with my fierce anger. Now, later in the text, Moses talks him out of it and it literally says God changed his mind. No joke. Verse 14, Exodus 32, 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he threatened to bring onto his people. All of this is happening while Moses is still on the mountain. Moses hadn't made it off the mountain when God and him are having this conversation. And not only have they not gotten off the mountain, but Moses hasn't even turned around. And this is, again, such a, just an important, impactful part of this story because there's something to be said about the character of Moses in this exact moment. So God comes to Moses with this warning. You have to turn around. You know, you, there, something's happening down there. And until God finishes speaking, Moses doesn't move. I mean, literally for 13 verses, God is just letting into Moses about what's going to happen and why they're going to die and why he's taking them down. And until God says, you know what? Okay. All right, Moses, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Moses doesn't move. And I wonder how many of us would have turned around at verse seven. And it's not a bad thing to turn around right when God tells you something. It's not a bad thing to move right when God speaks. But how many of us cut God off at the very beginning and we move forward out of worry about something that wasn't gonna happen in the first place? Because here's what would have happened if Moses would have turned around at verse seven. Him and God would have never had that full out conversation for God to change his mind about the, the harm he was gonna bring to these people. But Moses gets the instruction and then stops to talk to God. And this is such a pivotal thing for our walks with Christ is, are we getting the word it from God and taking off going, it is this, you know? Or are we stopping and letting God speak into those circumstances? 
And we won't have time to talk about it today, but Moses actually has to hike up Mount Sinai a second time because he had to turn around the first time and he crushes the commandments at the bottom of the mountain. But again, different story for a different day. But I feel like this circumstance brought this truth to the forefront that our unwillingness to wait can cause delay of arrival. And to put this into perspective, to kind of give you an image to work with, let's say I'm at a stoplight that is red and it won't move. And have you ever been at a stoplight? It literally takes five minutes. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in the right-hand lane, I am the kind of person that will turn right and then go down a few blocks and make a U-turn so I can make another right turn. So then I'll be on my way a little bit faster. And I don't think anything is wrong with this. I definitely don't think anything is right with this, but it's again, this unwillingness to wait that can sometimes cause delay because here's what usually happens is I'm rerouted when I turn right then there's a no U-turn sign and then I get stuck in traffic and then I get caught in another red light. And before I know it, all the time I wasted trying to avoid the thing I was waiting for, I have now doubled. And there's this idea that our unwillingness to wait causes delay and not even just delay for ourselves, but delay for others. I mean, Moses was bringing these instructions back for the people. It wasn't like these were just for Moses. These were for everyone. But their unwillingness to wait causes Moses to have to turn around for his trip to be delayed, for him to have to go back up the mountain, get this word again, and come back down again, which all could have been avoided if they would have just waited for him. And friend, I don't know what stoplight you're sitting at. (laughs) I don't know what shortcut you've tried to take, and now it seems to be longer. But here is what I know is it's better to wait on God and for things to take longer than to charge through and do it yourself. Because God can only provide where he has provision for. And so when we stay in his lane, when we stay in his timing, when we stay in his will, that is the sweet spot of our lives. And there's something so human in us that thinks this right turn is gonna get me there faster. And the truth of the matter is, it's Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything. And so you can make all those turns, you can rush, You can get worried and anxious and run ahead. But all of that aside, God's timing will still prevail. So my question for all of us is, why are we in such a rush? And then we see this story kind of semi-conclude in Exodus 32, 22. Moses makes it down the mountain and he hears the celebration. Him and Joshua hear it from afar. And before they've made it down the mountain, Moses is so mad. He smashes the tablets on the ground and approaches Aaron. And he's like, Aaron, what did these people do to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? And I, I don't love, but I do love. I love Aaron's response here because it's so prevalent to our culture. Exodus 32, 22 says, don't get upset, my Lord. Aaron replied, you yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here. 
and all the Levites gathered around them. And, you know, this, this last line, this word, don't get so upset. I just picture this in our society is those two words, calm down. And in some ways, those words can be helpful. There are things that we take too serious. But, but then there's the other side. And the truth of the matter is, is that we can't. If we are going to experience God to the fullest and actually live for him, then we can't be casual. Um, we don't have that luxury simply because everything does matter. And when you think about it in perspective, every single day counts. So uh, right now I'm 27 years old. If I live till I'm 90 years old, that means I have 3,224 more weeks left on this earth. Should no sickness or anything. Let's say perfect health. I live till I'm 90, 3,224 weeks left on this earth. That's it. That's all we got. And when we barge ahead, when we push ahead, when we're constantly trying to get one step ahead of God, not because we don't believe in him, but simply because we don't believe him, we don't actually think he's going to show up. Ultimately, what we do is we delay the fullness that we see through him. We make that right turn when he's like, it would have been faster for you to wait on me. And so my question to us as we wrap up today is really the same heart of where we started. What area in your life have you trusted God, took a step of faith, and then since that step of faith have started doubting who he was and what he promised and what he's going to lead you to? I mean, how many of us are sitting in the middle of our obedience with a plan of our own? And I just want to encourage you, look back on all the times that God has come through. Look back on all the promises that he has delivered. Look back on those weeks that you thought, I'm not going to make it out of this alive and see that he is good and he is faithful. Whatever it is that he's promised you, he didn't forget about you. And you might not be able to see him. You might not feel him in this season. But I promise you, friend, your prayers are heard. Your life is accounted for. And your obedience is seen. And so my prayer for all of us is that we would learn to wait. That we wouldn't rush. That we wouldn't make man-made things and call them good. When God intends to give us everything that is good. Thanks for hanging out today, guys. I pray that this message was helpful, but I also pray that it just produced a little bit of um, hope and focus in your spirit. So again, thanks for hanging out. I love you guys so much and I will catch you back next week. See ya.